0: I'm Duncan McLeod and this is the Tech Central Show brought to you today by MTN Business. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe on youtube.com slash techcentral or follow Tech Central on social media. I'm joined now by two pioneers in South African e-commerce. The pair founded Superblist, the online fashion retailer later acquired by Takealot Group. Today, though, Luke Judaican, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Luke, and Claude Hannon are leading a new upstart called Bash uh, inside the TFG group. And um, that used to be known as the Fushini Group. Is it still it – that's the former name, right? Fischini is the jaw and the crown. Right. Uh, so, yes, both are used interchangeably. They're used interchangeably. Okay. The Fischini <laughs> Group the a listed uh, entity. And mm-hmm. from what I can see, I don't follow the retail sector very closely, but TFG seems to be outperforming many of its peers in,
1: in retail. Why is that? Why is uh, TFG doing so well, guys? Well, look, I think the... So the industry, the retail industry has been under quite a lot of pressure in South Africa over the last five years. Right. So there, there's been margin pressure that has impacted everyone on the back of consumer pressure, mm-hmm. consumer health. Um, I think what TFG has done really well... Um, which is partly why we were excited by the opportunity yeah. is they're alive to the need to change. They're alive to what's on the horizon. They're not uh, sitting on their laurels mm-hmm. of their past success. They're a hundred year old business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there there was this almost golden age of retail NSA for the listed retail uh, sector over the past 20 years. And there's a number of reasons we believe why uh, new, com- new competition, market dynamics have made things a bit tougher. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like an investment cycle, an investment phase now. Some are choosing not to do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, know, you, you can retain profits and not invest in the future or you can invest in the future. So that's what excited us about TFG. Okay. And I mean, we can talk to what we're doing to, to assist with that journey.
0: Absolutely. And I want to I want to d- uh, delve in some detail into into what you guys are doing at TFG. But let's let's look a bit at the backstory because it's a really interesting backstory here. And you guys have been in business together for some time. You must really like each other. You've gone <laughs> into business twice now. Uh, Luke, uh, yeah. how did you first meet?
2: It gets stranger, but uh, we went to school together.
0: Okay. Um, and we mixed
2: in the same circles. We were friendly, but we weren't sort of friends to the point that it would be uncomfortable working with each other okay. for the, for the <laughs> decade plus that we have. Um, and so we knew one another well, we knew uh, the backstory of one another, but uh, uh, sort of outside of uh, school, mm-hmm. pursued slightly different paths, Claude went into finance, I went more into uh, law and then advertising. Um, and the story began uh, in, in, in our naivety. Claude called me up. He'd been on a trip and he'd picked up a Fortune magazine. Oh, yeah? And the cover story was around Groupon. And uh, it looked simple enough. He said, uh, you, marketing, websites, well, can't we do this? And I said, of course we can. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is kind of history. But, yeah, okay. we, 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 we go way back. And uh, uh, it's strange. We, we share a birthday it's your
0: birthday okay same
2: year same day
0: amazing what yeah. day what day is that 19th of december
2: Nineteenth of December. yeah so we look forward with... to our tech central gift <laughs>
0: <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> great so, so you, you you formed essentially a groupon type company in those uh, early days um and that then morphed into superblest did it correct that's right
1: take us through that journey so the um, yeah i guess we we read up about Groupon and this phenomenon at the time the fastest growing um, business in the history of commerce, zero to a billion dollars. Like Luke said, we agreed to try it. Yeah. Um, That was mid 2010. We spent seven eight months building, Mm -hmm. planning. I guess whilst working other jobs. By the time we launched early 2011, there were 45 clones wow. in the market. So almost from the get go and it it worked pretty well. So the demand was there. Yeah. It it was quite a moment's in time I think for South African e-commerce because there was a lot of adoption on the back of it. Mm-hmm. You know massive discounts on things people want. Um, massages, restaurants.
0: The idea behind these businesses being that you, there would be a daily deal available. Correct. Um, daily deal available to, to
1: consumers and to the supplier, new customers um, and remember, this is this is sort of right after the 2008 financial crisis. Right. So
2: huge amounts of excess inventory. Right. You know, we started in 2010, which meant Groupon was maybe 18 months ahead. Yeah. So mm. um, it was, it it was easy enough to be a bit of an inventory scavenger. Right. Uh, there was you know a lot of appetite from from businesses that had excess uh, inventory
1: and experiences as well. Groupon and us focused on experiences initially, Mm -hmm. which was like, I don't know, trips up table mountain, restaurants, massages, et cetera. (laughs) But what we realized very early is that there's just zero barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. So it it, it is so much so that we um, often talk about having customers who would call us to complain in the early days about uh, coupons that they didn't actually even buy from us bought from competition but you it was impossible to even tell the difference between these competitors there was right. no differentiation whatsoever right so so that was kind of the catalyst to to pivot into something more defensible mm-hmm. and Luke and which then became take it from there yeah but, but what, what, before we
0: go on to that what what went wrong with that uh, groupon type uh, model we know groupon got into a lot of trouble and a lot of these companies just went to the wall what i mean it seemed like a good idea at the time what what was actually wrong with the model and why did consumers turn away from it
2: it's a race to the bottom so, so mechanically mechanically the the proposition was this it was that you've got a restaurant your restaurant seats 100. Mm-hmm. Um, right now uh, there are many nights a week where you at 50 percent capacity mm-hmm. so you can either go to market and buy marketing to drum up uh demand mm-hmm whatever your marketing or channel strategy is, or let us use um, this excess inventory, the space to do a deal and it will encourage trial. And the key mechanic which changed, but if you recall in the beginning, there was a, a tipping point. Mm-hmm. So the way the deal worked was that it demanded a degree of virality. So it would say, if one th- if 1,000 people take up this coupon, mm-hmm. it will unlock a deal at 50% off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became incredibly powerful, so everyone in the U.S. wanted I – th- I think one of the, the most successful deals of all time was something as simple as an Amazon book voucher at a mm-hmm. certain discount. And many millions of people, you would auth your card, mm-hmm. and only if uh, the right number of people tipped it over would it settle. Mm-hmm. And so that then encouraged participants to tell their friends and drive the virality. So the argument was we're not just discounting your inventory. We're actually creating word of mouth, you know, creating a bit of hype around it. And uh, that worked for a while. But to Claude's point, when you have many, many competitors come online simultaneously, how do you beat the competition? Mm -hmm. You either lower the tipping point or increase the discount, which is a race to the bottom on your margin. And eventually, if you take it to your logical extreme, that tipping point vanished entirely and it just became websites full of coupons. Which undermined the value proposition to the to the to the business. Were you actually bringing new customers, mm. or just offering the right. inventory for? Free? I think
1: it broke on the supplier side. Okay. Ultimately, okay, our like customers are happy. They run out of stock, they, and and they don't <laughs> want that business. Right, like they 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 tried it maybe two three four times and didn't like it, and they they didn't like it enough to continue with it. Oh. Um, and so much so, so so we needed to pivot. Um, There was a business at the time in the States called Fab.com which focused on design um, product Mm -hmm. like not your run-of-the-mill homeware but um, a design aesthetic um, that didn't quite exist elsewhere and we pivoted into something like Fab.com while still retaining the coupon aspect of the business. Um, But we needed to rebrand for the sake of Suppliers and for building out inventory. What was your brand at the time? City Mob. City Mob, right. Yeah. And suppliers didn't want to deal with City Mob three, two years into group buying, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. not any uh, major suppliers, what, whatever category you want to get into if, if you want some of the bigger international. Inventory. We were
2: saying moving from virtual product being experiences, which yeah. was a PDF coupon, yeah. to traditional retail products, goods. And so, if you went to uh, a Nike or a G-Star, it was a swear word that your your legacy was. Mm. was oh, you like Groupon? No, no, no. But yeah, no. we don't, we don't, we don't do God. that. We don't yeah. do
1: off-price. So, it necessitated a a, a a rebrand, and customers hated us for it. Really? You know, that that's something that we can talk to this recent experience, um, because you know the rebrand involved with Bash was also. Um, the, the two, three months post a rebrand are fairly Difficult. intense mm. for the team undergo- or, or managing it. We've done it a few times. We did it with Spree as well. We did it with Spree but when we merged Spree. Customers supporters. hate
2: change and they, they won't understand your vision. Yeah. They refuse to. They, you know, they refuse to, it, they refuse <laughs> to you and, but you have to have conviction. People um, are creatures of habit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But just on the tech side, I think what was great about that era is the reason 45 uh, businesses emerged was it was a remarkably easy website to get going right
0: no barriers to um, entry
2: it was essentially a two-page website page one was a deal right page two pay for it and you didn't have to hold inventory right. so you send a sales team to essentially agree to a sales contract what is the length of of of, of the deal how many participants at what price and margin <laughs> and then you emailed your, your consumer over email uh, a PDF.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the delivery. Done. So no doorbell rings, <laughs> <So it laughs> no carriers. Yeah, and it yeah. allowed
2: guys like that, us that didn't have an engineering or a computer science background to sure. dabble in the space. And there's a many alumni from that time mm. that started in group buying and, and then kind of mm. ended up, as we did, migrating into real e-commerce.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, what, why did you choose fashion?
2: So, on this design, it, remember. So, there was another kind of zeitgeist around the 2010s, which was design. You think design in Darby. A lot of the the concept uh, the conferences were about good design, and and uh, we suddenly saw a huge amount of Scandinavian design, you know, uh, throughout the world and and in stores. And what we liked about it is in group buying. You, you're you scavenging, really. You're going around to a, a, a base of potential suppliers and saying, do you have excess inventory? And then you need to curate from that and try create like a, a nice uh, consumer proposition. But you never know what you're going to get. Um, and so the point is we had a huge variety of, of inventory uh, across various categories. So we were selling off-price footwear. We were selling off-price Tupperware. We were selling off-price consumer electronics. And we thought what is a consumer-friendly umbrella that can take what is actually a hodgepodge of categories, you know, and kind of just move it away from this uh, group-buying image? And this was fab.com, and we thought, okay, design's an interesting moniker, because what is design? Anything can be designed. And that allowed us to kind of reimagine our supplier base, and in that first iteration, uh, we were doing, I believe it was five categories, but we were doing art, we were doing apparel, We were doing consumer electronics. uh, We were doing homeware and still had one foot in deals. And of the categories, uh, what we found was apparel was remarkably underserviced online. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's quite sticky from a retention point of view because uh, your annual order frequency, you need new clothes. They they burn down Mm -hmm. in a way that buying a toaster – doesn't how often do you need a new toaster so we started kind of understanding consumer behavior a little bit we looked at that category and thought you know what there's actually a bit of a mocha or at least it's 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 quite underpenetrated online um and and so we went from five des- some group buying to five categories four of which were design and then eventually kind of Merged straight into doubling down with fashion, and that decision was the birth of of superb. Of Superblast. okay. Which, as a name, was the antithesis because it had superb in the name, and we we had this kind of uh, legacy of off-price inventory, and so we needed to to go to to mm-hmm. suppliers and say, so "No, no, no, this is
1: yeah superb now." I I, I think also, um, so we around about that time we needed money. Mm-hmm. These businesses are capital intensive. Sure. Um, Spree was funded by Naspers. Zando was funded by Rocket Internet, big uh, fund out of Europe who was big into e-commerce at the time. And we were funded by angel investors and, like, really punching above our waist. So you
0: largely bootstrapped this business? We, we, well. we largely yeah. bootstrapped okay. it,
1: yeah. Um, and <clears throat> we took a decision we needed to raise money. Um, we spent about a year in that process. Uh, one or two failed attempts, post uh, due diligence. Um, and then around about that time Take a lot raised a hundred million dollars. Was it a hundred million dollars? You should I, I remember mean, that from, from, from Tiger global, global, yeah. That's right. It was hundred million dollars. It was the yeah. it was the big it was big news. <laughs> and we reached out to Kim Reed and one thing led to another and there was a full acquisition of superbulus and that also focused us slightly because take a lot was the gen, mm-hmm. general merchandiser and at the time they had tried fashion and um, by their admission not done it particularly well and they wanted to have us mm-hmm. double down on it so that you know that helped with with a bit of focus um so, I mean, there must have been quite an interesting discussion
0: between the two of you over, over, over take a take-a-lot takeover because you, you'd started this business, you were looking to raise funds. I'm sure when you started that discussion, your intention wasn't to sell the whole business to... Yeah, it, it it wasn't. It was rather to raise cash. So what, what was the conversation you had at the time? And um, well, Maybe taking a step back, hmm. the one thing we haven't mentioned, in, in migrating from
2: inventory, if from uh, virtual inventory to physical inventory yeah. it was the first time you start realizing fulfillment. And right. at, at its core... What is e-commerce? It's it's a fulfillment engine. Logistics. It, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so we started by outsourcing and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, reaching out to couriers and plugging yeah. them in. And the business started flying. We had a really good d- database from group buying that right. we then kind of pivoted and coming off a very small base. But, I mean, we were, we were growing 50 60% year over year quite quickly, which meant we completely overwhelmed our very rudimentary fulfillment infrastructure right so meaning we had more outbound orders than we were able to fulfill it was (laughs) terrifying you know You, you and and it came to a head roundabout season and we had unnamed CEOs of listed businesses personally threatening us <laughs> <laughs> for really <their> Christmas well. <laughs> deliveries, and so there was an interim step, which was actually Wanteall, uh, the, oh, the Drennan, Justin Drennan, yeah, the mm. Drennan brothers, and uh, they, you know, they were kind of fulfillment out. Mm-hmm. They were Amazon resellers, um, and they'd really focused on least cost routing. So there was an arbitrage business. Mm-hmm. If if you could deliver Amazon goods for less than Amazon themselves could. You had a business, and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were kind of the experts and, and early adopters, and and we actually did a, a, a JV with them, mm-hmm. which a JV meant sending a, a probably like a 20-ton truck to our capitulating DC, <laughs> throwing everything in it and vomiting it in Justin's DC, <laughs> saying help, <laughs> which, which he did, which they did. And... Um, why it's a segue into your question is we did then understand that the costs and economics of performance are no joke. Mm-hmm. And so we were seeking to raise capital, but... When you look at you, you can you can raise capital from anyone. You mm-hmm. still have to buy expensive logistics. Mm-hmm. I think what was p- particularly attractive about Take a Lot, amongst other things, was they could apply real leverage into the fulfilment. You know, right. they were they were yeah. they were at scale. So yes, you're having money, but you're having money and cheaper fulfilment, which over time is mm-hmm. is actually what you need.
1: Stronger in the group versus alone. Mm-hmm. Certainly, part of the calculus yeah. at the time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. I wanted to ask about buying clothing and fashion online um, I personally have never done it um, and I suspect I might be in the minority of, of people who shop online my concern around it is 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 buying something that doesn't fit me or the, it arrives in the colors wrong or there's something about it that I have to return it um, and um, I imagine that um, and, I, and I know a lot of shoppers in markets like the US for example will buy a pair of shoes I would write its the wrong size you send it back and get them get 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 it returned the system works extremely well there um is what, what is what is um what's the business of selling fashion online like in South Africa in terms of logistics and re- customer returns and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And um do you think do you find there is a bit of resistance like with me to buying this particular yeah product well,
1: online? Well, well, I think so if we look at the globe um I guess there's various data points and reports yeah. but global e-commerce penetrations at around 22% that ov- obviously differs a lot by category and by country. Um, global penetration in apparel and footwear over-indexes slightly as at 26%. That's amazing. So th- there's fundamentally, I think, from a demand perspective, there's no major blocker, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, obviously we can unpack it. South Africa is very early in the journey. Okay. So South Africa online penetration roughly 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, returns is... Absolutely a barrier. Um, you, you need to get good at returns. Mm. You, you, it needs to be seamless. And drive the cost down too, I imagine. And you need to drive it. So for the customer proposition, it has to be really easy, which is where we got to at superbulus We're not there yet mm-hmm. with Bash. And I mean, it takes time. This sure. is like the excellence of e-commerce. You know, you, you, you can't afford to have any elements of friction in this e-com Journey. Mm. So there's outbound
2: logistics and reverse logistics, yeah. and they need to be equivalently
1: good. Yeah. And returns in fashion, I imagine, are significantly higher than in other categories. Returns, re- returns are higher. They seem to under-index in South Africa, which is interesting, and maybe it's a market maturity thing, okay. i.e. when customers get more comfortable, they'll start doing like what they do in America. Right. Where we are so excited about the Bash TFG issue is that like, there's a few fundamental differences from a P&L business health perspective. We've got the second biggest store network in the country, mm-hmm. three and a half thousand stores. 80% of our returns get taken to stores. Now, uh-huh. th- that's a game changer. Yeah. The customers are coming to you. And personal experience, I, I guess it differs by individual, but personal experience where, when I've got something that doesn't fit, I, I'd, I want to actually... Just hand it back, okay. and we we found this in engaging with a lot of customers. So, and you can do that at any TFG you, store. You, you can do that at the store of the brand that you bought the product. Okay. But we need to work on um, kind of democratizing, uh, m- making it brand agnostic. Right. So when we do that, and of course there's technical work behind it, it's super powerful. Yeah. So that, that's the one thing customers drop off their returns in our, at our store network and refunds. Uh, and then get their refunds at the store. And
2: instant, because that's the other point of anxiety is, uh, you know, if you've got a, a use case to buy a garment, yeah. i going to a wedding or I'm doing a hike or I'm going overseas, I need the garment mm-hmm. and I've allocated in my mind a, a budget for that thing. Now, the sort of transaction or the behavior we used to install is, I take the thing and pay you, not I pay you and then wait for the thing. All right. So there's that moment of purgatory where you have my money and I don't have the garment. And then if the garment's not right, I'm still in that purgatory. You still have my money and I have a garment that's not yeah. useful. Yeah. And so the reverse logistics is we need to, or, or, or the, the, the platform needs to come and fetch the garment, log a return, uh, do a QC process once it's receipted at a DC is what you said. Uh, the issue in fact the issue in other words is it damaged is it too big mm-hmm. is it too small and then transaction wise you ret- you're refunding the customer which you know you've got bank to bank and weekend and whatever else so your refund turnaround time normal in you know, SA so could be for a pure player around 10 days mm-hmm. so it's usually advantageous to be able to walk into the store and say I don't like this I want my money now mm-hmm. and or augment that experience by saying I'll just take that thing since I'm here
0: yes you're yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and drive up sales for the group yeah, in yes. the process,
1: and so that's returns. The, the other benefit is click and collect. So, uh, the the almost outbound leg of receiving your good. Mm. Um, around 40% of current deliveries are click and collect, okay. collected from one of the stores. Any store. That, that's once again mm-hmm. highly beneficial from a unit economics yes. perspective. Yes. Um, the third piece while we're on this topic is we have central warehouses at TFG and we've got a whole bunch of stores. Getting an item from the central warehouse to a store that's closer to a customer is incredibly cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're you talking like single-digit Rands to add an incremental item onto a truck that's already Is that really going running? to the store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we can get stock closer to the customer, far closer to the customer in this model, and and that's why I, I guess uh, on the topic of why TFG, the, like the, these things were incredibly appealing. Yeah, the the unit economics makes sense. Plus, they have over twenty million customers. The customer acquisition expense of uh, what we went through when, when you're starting a business, mm-hmm. you now you need to build awareness. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need to get people to make their first purchase. That's time consuming and extremely expensive. So, you know, these things combined, uh, we believe make it quite different to our previous mm-hmm. um, experience in terms yep. of the, that the health of the business we can build from yep. a profits perspective.
2: But to address your question and the fact that you haven't done it, mm. Um, how often have you walked into a store and bought a piece of apparel without trying it on in a store?
1: Without it was, trying it on? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, probably half the time I do that actually. Yeah, looks, so, looks about right. <laughs> yeah.
2: So the, the truth is, <clears throat> within your store experience, you walk into a back room, take off your clothes, get down to your underwear, have a pile of you know, goods in a in a cubicle, and and there is that friction that mm. happens there. Yeah. But in your mind, you only kind of relate to the point-of-sale transaction and said, when I entered the door and left the door, I did half the time get what I needed. Mm-hmm. So I think in uh, more established markets, it's the same calculus. It's home trial. Mm. It's, that's, it's never a slam dunk.
1: Mm.
2: Or maybe another question, statistically, of the things you bring into the change room, how many do you take? So when you mm, say that returns usually. are high, mm, mm. Uh, it's probably similar.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So so it's, yeah, I, I think the the, the the sort of younger consumer. Uh, I may uh, just be too old. Let's yes. figured that out. <laughs> has <laughs> figured that out because they right. don't they don't their time mm. time uh, yeah. precious. You
0: know? I, try, I hate clothes shopping, so I should actually I should actually try try yeah, shopping it. shopping online for clothes, and just check it out because I've never done it. But just take us back now. So the, the take a lot deal happened. Uh, how long were you with Take A Lot post that transaction and why did you end
1: up leaving? So we were there seven years. Um, we were co-CEOs of Superbulist okay. and we sat on the Take A Lot Exco, um, which was a really amazing seat to be in. Yep. We, we we saw the uh, essentially exponential growth um, of three businesses, Take a Lot, Superbalist and Mr. D. Um, from sub-a-billion GMV into many billions Mm -hmm. and the operational challenges that come with that and, you know, talent acquisition, customer acquisition. So the Kalahari merger. Kalahari merger. merger. screen about Kalahari? Yeah. 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 So it it, it was really, um, really valuable and um, thrilling at times, pretty tough. Yeah um and i think after you know as 2020 approached we kind of lifted our heads up for the first time in in a long time you know as a founder mentality you actually didn't ever really look up to see what was going on around you um and we felt like we had achieved what we wanted to achieve we had merged with our biggest competitor at the time which was spree Mm -hmm. um we had broken through a billion rand in revenue um and we we were ready for something else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
0: how did uh, how did the tfg relationship come about
2: so we had decided so so we completed our tenure in the take a lot group the end of uh the 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 the, the 2020 fin year. so okay. march 2020
0: just as covid was about yeah. to hit
2: not knowing yeah. so we 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 had resigned Without knowing that that was what was coming, but it just hap- so happened that the last two days of, of, of uh, our time in the group you were the first two down. days of hard lockdown. Right. Um, we knew that we would be restrained. And without knowing COVID was coming, we were both exhausted Mm -hmm. and uh, decided to take a sabbatical.
0: Good time to do it. And just
2: just relax. (laughs) It's lucky. But ahead of time, Mm. we knew we were going to take a year off. Um, And I had personally sort of grand visions of traveling the world and doing all sorts of things. And... uh, Ended up living in the Eastern Cape for for, for a year at a, at a holiday house. So, okay. um, to answer your question, a lot of time for introspective. The world was upside down, mm. and I think uh, what also happened it it, it created an enormous, uh, unexpected uh, tailwind in our industry and and in our sort of yep. domain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of the major listed retailers were obviously forced to to close stores. It was a insane time. Mm-hmm. And frankly, many of them reached out to us. Um, but there's a few fundamentals that Claude has spoken to uh, on review that we felt uh, were meaningful advantages for TFG. Um, we really liked the, the leadership of the business, Anthony and Pongiwe, mm-hmm. Um hungry to innovate. Um, so you
0: knew them from your Superbless days?
2: We didn't you? know them. No, they, reach,
1: not, they reached out reached to us. you. Okay.
2: And, uh, Just
1: through our engagements with them. Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, the last thing we thought, frankly, of of the options on the table were that we go to, to another corporate right. or a corporate. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we hadn't started as a corporate, but we ended as one. Mm-hmm. Uh that I guess that's yeah. what happens when you hit a, a billion and you have a huge shareholder yeah. like NASFAs. Um, <laughs> yeah.
1: And so Look it's it's an important point. Um probably worth dwelling on because mm. I, I think in hindsight th- this is what the leadership of T F G have have done so well. Mm. Um because we said to them, like, guys, before we join, why why would we want to do this? To Luke's point. And they have, they assured us at the time and they have um, uh, stuck to their word with regards to retaining a founder type um, setup within a corporate Mm -hmm. with regards to what we're doing at Bash. So for example, we are based out of head office Um, We have our own, I guess, unique approach to hiring. Hiring in the tech world is is different Mm -hmm. to hiring in other industries. Um, And that was really important to us, just in terms of allowing us to run the business. We've seen how... Infrastructure,
2: autonomy, you know, you you think of red tape and and, and an IT-led organization, Mm -hmm. the whole organization's on Microsoft. Mm -hmm. We are Google evangelists. We're like, that's not going to work for us. So we moved to Google. They're on Teams. We have Slack. And And, they were open to that.
1: It's really important that because that basic thing is where so many South African companies, in our opinion, just fail. It's like just at that first hump, first hurdle, you have to break through it. I mean, so much so that like like PC laptop onboarding in corporates is like pretty – it's infamously clumsy. Mm. You know, you, you, you have new starters who can't do anything for the first few days, weeks at worst. Um, you, you have to do those basic things, like first principles. Mm. We, we, like, how, how can we rethink some of these things? Mm-hmm. How can we rethink some policies, some approaches, improve communication, improve speed? And like that, that's the longer-term thing that we really bought into with TFG and Anthony mm-hmm. and Bongiwe. In- so they're
0: a big corporate, but they're allowing you to run like a startup. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think it. that talks to some of the ingredients
2: of the business. So so, so, so uh, TFG is a federated business. You know, it's actually comprised of many brands mm. um, and the history of those brands are various. Some mm-hmm. were incubated within the business, some were acquisitions. And in the case of Fashini, it was the the, the, the first business. Um, and so we aren't the first en- entrepreneurs to, to, enter, to enter the business and uh, f- they also have experience allowing uh, different management teams to run their business. So it's a group insofar as it's kind of a, a listed entity, but, but actually, uh, you know, it, 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 it runs, there's, there's various pockets of independence in the group and, and brands uh, take sports scene run very independently mm. to Markham. For example,
0: it's quite federated, Correct. very
2: federated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, and, and from an online with an online hat on, we know that customers want selection, uh, optionality. You know, more, more brands, more inventory, more mm-hmm. choice. And uh, whilst the likes of uh, Mister Price and True Words and, and Woolworths are, are excellent brands and, and, and huge brands and love brands, mm-hmm. a monolithic proposition doesn't really scale online.
0: Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. look
2: at who the greats you know, take a lot, uh, Amazon, they just continue to grow selection. I think. Shein. Um, uh, Shein, Shein's got 50,000 dresses. Amazon's got 350 million SKUs. <laughs> so if you actually look at the SKU width of some of these listed uh, retailers, they are deliberately narrow and deep because that's where margin lives. But yeah. that's kind of an anti-pattern for online. So TFG mm-hmm. was interesting in that Uh, Its brand footprint was super wide and super varied. Um, And, you know, downstream effect of that is they're also used to working with kind of different management teams with slightly Mm. different visions, trying to capture different angles of the market. Mm. Having said that, uh, that strategy was being pursued online, which is to say… Well, if every single brand is independent offline, then they should all have their own individual website mm. and potentially their own app. And so they were kind of running in, at, you know uh, asymmetrically at different speeds. And that doesn't work online mm. was our thesis. Mm-hmm. We said, uh, f- first of all, we just don't have the talent in this market to build separate websites and entities for umpteen different businesses. Yeah. We know this. And secondly, you know, the economics don't work. Um, so our thesis was put everything in one place, aggregate all of your assets, one app, mobile first. Concentrate your, the traffic. Concentrate mm-hmm. the traffic, grow the basket, put more things in one basket for a single delivery, not more deliveries. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> um, but it must been a bit like herding cats, having all these different brands that you had to work with in the organization. Well, as I've
2: mentioned, culturally that was so… They were tuned to it. No, they weren't. They were attuned to independence. Independence, right. So there are many, valuable... So it was valuable. like herding yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there's, so there's many valuable... Uh, uh, there's aspects of that culture that's been hugely valuable to us, but there's aspects that have been very challenging because mm. um, it's like we need to borrow from both yeah. to make it work.
1: But but again, the I mean, it, it's a fascinating topic, like just transformation. Mm. It, it, these challenges, the herding cat aspect, I think exists in every single entity that is trying to modernize a version of it yes so you have to have conviction which we had Mm -hmm. um and luckily the most senior management at tfg shared with us like that's super important because it's going to (laughs) take it's going to take a lot of time a lot of convincing a lot of talking uh, a lot of buy-in um I mean that must have taken a significant amount of it your time. Mm-hmm. It took long. It took long. So so we, we we've been there two and a half years just about, um, and gaining alignments takes up a big part of that. But we believe it. It like we're building a moat with, with each month that passes because as an organization, we've gone through that process now, and we believe the, the, the that some of the competition. And they still have to go there it mm. it, it, it it takes time it, you can't fast fast track some of these things um so the the other point i wanted to make and we've touched on it there's e-commerce and then there's digital transformation and you know we're aiming to do both with bash and and a lot of where we see the opportunity is a this platform that we've built and concentrating the the traffic and are consolidating all the inventory and we've seen much bigger basket sizes we've seen great conversion rates we've seen great traffic so you know that that's box ticked for now we've got a long way to go returns customer experience and all the rest but the long-term vision and what really excites luke and i is transforming tfg into a high-tech omni-channel retailer <laughs> future-proofing the group and that takes Time and, and, and that spans everywhere from um, how you buy, how you plan, how you choose stores, um, who you hire, talent yeah. density, marketing approaches. So it's that journey that we're super excited about and, and the omni aspect. Yeah. So it's stores and online.
0: So there's a big part of what you do and, and a lot of the interfacing you do with TFG about re-engineering internal processes um, to make things flow more efficiently and, and for things to work between the different brands, et cetera, et cetera. And is there some sort of ERP platform already in place that you were able to leverage or did you have are you having to deploy new technologies into the group to be able to do this? Yeah. So it, <laughs> it's it's
2: complicated. But I think the the concept of omnichannel gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. And in, in most cases it's not omnichannel, it's multi channel and they're kind of used as if they mean the same thing. Okay. Multi channel Most modern brick-and-mortar retailers have uh, uh, an e-commerce offering at this point in time. Certainly all of South Africa-listed retailers do. So we're omnichannel, I guess. We've got a website and we've got stores. But there's no real relationship between those two things. They are separate channels. that happen. (laughs) They happen to have both, but they are not one. They pull from different locations. So if you take it through the funnel, can you identify customers the same way on both you know so if you've got account and rewards program does that work from an identity point of view online can you avail all the inventory which is in store online mm. erp location planning uh taxonomies product metadata mm. and i'll get into that uh payment parity yes you have an in-store pause and you've got an online checkout but are those is there parity or are they separate things in most cases they're completely separate
0: and is on- each brand running different point of sale systems and in TFG,
2: the brands are not. I mean, I'm talking more sort of at a macro level. Okay. This is what you encounter. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, and, and, and they this. but we got all this stuff. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's not fluid. It's not, it's not a case where the customer can move seamlessly across the channels mm-hmm. and the way they paid in store necessarily works online and, and vice versa. So um, in TFG's case, uh, there is a universal uh, ERB um, and, uh, you know, IT is centralized. But um, when it comes to product and product information, because at the end of the day, uh, a, website pla- a, a website channel, so a website or app, is, mm-hmm. is really just an interface to search for inventory. And How yeah. do you search for inventory? Mostly text. search the search bar or the product listing page. Well, you can only find what you describe. Mm. Does everything have a color? Does everything have a material? Does everything have a size? Does everything have, you know... Uh, metadata and the use case for meditator even if you've got the most advanced european in the world offline is quite thin why because it's sewn into the garment you mm-hmm. don't need to describe this thing in high detail just <laughs> put it on the rail and if a customer says, what is it? You say, that's Check what it board. is. Yeah. <laughs> so what we found was a huge amount of inventory, which is, you know, amazing. It's the choice and selection box is ticked. Sure. But if I use one uh, sort of example, one facet being color, there were 22 or 24,000 colors in the business. Mm-hmm. Red didn't mean red. <laughs> if you searched red, you would see an exact match of red, but there were many more things on the site that... So, there was a huge kind of enrichment, mapping, taxonomy job, which is not an ERP problem so much as a data governance and mm. kind of uh, upliftment problem. So, we, that was one of the biggest hurdles, which uh,
0: I'm happy yeah, to da- say we've.
1: Data, 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 in, and data integrity like, we're super proud of mm. what we've managed to do. Did you have to have hire a whole team of people to? We've got to a great team. Yeah. It's seven or eight strong. Yeah. Um, and that's the foundation. So a lot of grunt
0: oh. grunt work to get this ready, big time. <laughs> yeah.
1: But in many cases, that's
2: the moat. Yeah, you know because
0: yeah. the
2: other thing that we looked at with TFG, the way we platformed it is, um, the way we put Superbulous was somewhat monolithic. Uh, in that Genesis, it was one channel, it was web only. You know, yeah. We started a pre app, and it's linear. You, you have to log in. You have to find the stuff, add it to cart, pay for it, and and, and, and ship it. And so the team was largely organized around those primitives. Mm-hmm. I, I Login and, and customer data, perhaps, was one team. Search was another, search and catalog, payments, delivery. In that time, uh, there's been more channels. So native app has been pretty kind of explosive. Um, and in stores, there's many more channels because... What about Endless aisle in store and app for the consumer and web and mobile web? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to organize slightly differently. And the way we've organized is more like a, a platform business. And so at its core, we're saying inventory is mm-hmm. one world. And because we had to solve – so it's one of the core services. And because we had to solve such hard problems – these are solved problems in pure play. Mm-hmm. Just don't let anyone – load a purchase order without filling in these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't get any money. If you can't, if you can't do it, we will not buy your stuff. So the buyers are you know, very, very uh, careful. Now we're trying to backwards fix a problem, but in backwards fixing a problem uh, around inventory, we kind of went, hang on a second, we're actually in this core, particular core service building a, a, more, with a platform uh, hat on, it's more like a marketplace. Because we're having to solve for a variety of inventory problems. And if we do mapping, we build intelligence, we do machine learning to do this, it's going to make incrementally onboarding another vendor who's got some other weird inventory Mm -hmm. setup much easier in a way that when we're a pure player, we'd say, computer says, no, like, fill in in this form, because that's the only way we can ingest.
1: And... uh company who's done this very well is next plc listed in the uk yeah so they started off um similar to tfg they have brands they have in-house brands and stores um and they've moved to um they built an online platform that at first housed their brands but then just opened up to anyone and everyone and so so they they've taken their learnings i guess for their own brands and resell that to other retailers um and in doing so earn different revenue mm-hmm. streams um different capital requirements so it and and it's uh, it's worked really well for them they have 60% online penetration mm-hmm. yeah. okay Okay.
0: So do do all the um, online e-commerce initiatives within TFG now fall under Bash or do the brands still have their own web presences? Mostly. So the 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 e-commerce is certainly within
2: within Bash. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we've had to balance is what is a brand? And, you know, a a brand, I guess, is kind of a consumer proposition – that these teams need to continue to be able to entrench. So what's its name, what's it about, how do you create consumer love, and to do that you still need digital channels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the brands continue to control their own social media, their own Marketing
0: presence. Marketing
2: presence. But it's a fine line, where does does, kind of brand marketing and performance marketing begin and end? Mm -hmm. We have had to centralize performance marketing because what you don't want, Total Sports and, and Sports Scene both sell Nike. Before we joined, they both were putting ads into the wild for Nike, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) bidding against one another. That doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So centralizing performance marketing makes sense. But on a social media point of view, they should both be able to communicate how they trade Nike independently. So it's quite nuanced in in how we've set that up.
0: I read that you are, a particular focus for you is mobile. You've developed mobile apps. Mm. Um, in fact, this, uh, I, I think I read that this is, use View, this is your most important way to market yeah. through these apps. What, why the big focus on mobile? And um, are you also focusing on, on, a, on web as well? I think you do have a website for Bash, bash.ca.ca. Yeah, yeah bash.com. Bash.com, I beg yeah. your pardon. Um, what's, why the strong focus on, on apps? I mean it, it,
2: I'd like to say it was super prescient, and we just knew, but it was just lived experience from our previous life okay you know when when we when we left the take a lot group eighty eighty we percent or nearing eighty percent of sales were on native app um, there's a number of reasons why I mean obviously mobile traffic mm. is 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 huge um but native apps convert material so if your three channels or platforms are desktop web, mobile web, and native app, mobile web's are the worst, desktop's in the middle, and native app's the... the on on the, conversion. The best, on, on, okay. on conversion rates. Um, and so when we arrived at TFG, we had a look at their traffic makeup, it's 85% mobile, oh, wow. and they were severely under-penetrated in app. They had a small app, mm-hmm. uh, it, it wasn't great, uh, they were doing less than 10% of sales, and we went. There's a huge opportunity to mm-hmm. to to do this right, and that's paid off. Uh, we our first acquisition, we acquired a top mobile app development team, uh, brought them into the business, got them to 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 start again, and uh, they've
1: they they built our apps. They <laughs> built
2: our apps. They toiled for a year and. Number one inside. IOS, of app Android,
1: Huawei. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's where the eyeballs are. Right. Okay. And app converts better yeah. than mobile web by some margin.
0: Yeah. And it's always on the consumer screen.
1: Yeah. And there's many applications with regards to omnichannel. Okay. You know, you can start yeah. um, adding features that apply in store mm-hmm. when customers are in store, which obviously don't apply with the mm-hmm. desktop.
0: Was bash.com available, or did you have to pay someone for we it? We paid.
1: We <laughs> paid. Was that an expensive purchase? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. It. It. Look, we wanted. We. I mean, Luke can give the detail. It was a. It was a long consideration. Mm-hmm. Weird. Uh, yeah.
2: I. Back to the superfluous naming. There, we had no money. Um. I. Th- I think circa two thousand two thousand and one. Um every permutation of uh, five-letter names had been mm. registered, dot .coms. They were gone.
0: And superb.com was gone, I'm sure. Long yeah. gone.
2: And so I like the word. i am still got it in a notebook. I like the word and literally just kind of scribbled a whole bunch of permutations, put them into sort of a domain checker, and it was available for okay. like
0: $9. The superblest name. The superblest name. Okay. So, a domain, learned, so a domain website actually suggested the name to you?
2: Uh, yeah, it would have been one of the yeah. permutations. Okay. It, 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 it spat out and we could afford it Because it was $9. (laughs) And
0: we learned the hard
2: way with having a four-syllable long... Uh, you know, complicated name is about. And uh, for years it was superb A-list, super ballast.
1: Um, doesn't inter- pass the spell test. You know, yeah, the radio yeah. test. It fails yeah, everything. Yeah. But it's so sticky
2: now and everyone knows everyone it and knows it's absolutely system. a household name. Mm-hmm. And I mean mm-hmm. that's the up- upshot. But when we when we when we decided we're gonna do this again we said, no, no no what you want is one syllable. <laughs> uh, we've got, you know, many languages in this country, phonetically uncomplicated. Um, practically, you know, when you're working on favicons in very small surface areas and in, in UX, the shorter the name, <laughs> the easier it's going to be to work with and place logos, icons, right. and so on. And Nirvana is like a four-letter domain, Meta, Uber. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was kind of the goal. And uh, the other dynamic that's complicated is trademarking. Mm-hmm. So because we're thinking more like a platform, yeah. we wanted to trademark in. I think in the end it was about twelve different categories. You know, we wanted name delivery, name online, mm-hmm. name fintech, and so on. And so we had a short list of about eight hundred names. Eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, we then you, you need to go wide. Yeah. You then uh, need to put into the legal trademarking that kind of uh, reduced the list uh, quite significantly, probably to around twenty. Mm-hmm. And then you're dealing with you know all sorts domain registrars. And right. uh, it's just a
0: case parking, of what's available. Just yeah.
2: parking, and then we got down to a what's available list of probably about five. We put five into consumer testing, about nine thousand customers. What we did was we did a mock up commercial, named the new such and such that will deliver x y and z from tfg Mm -hmm. and we built that commercial and then we ran testing and we tested for for you know sentiment and a whole bunch of stuff and bash was the winner Mm -hmm. and we pursued it Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's been good so was there a d- domain someone who just purchased it for the hope, in the hope of, of reselling it had they? Or was it? As I say, yeah. anything under five letters that's ah, ah, been ah, the case since yeah. two thousand. Yeah, if it's it's was being sure. used or it's being sat, it's like property. Yeah, yeah. And it's, was it important to have a .com rather than a
1: .coza? It's a good question. We both wanted it. Yeah.
0: I yeah, I think so.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, take a lot of mean, you have global, global ambitions
2: yeah i think so mm-hmm. i think you you never know uh you never know yeah. you never know what's around the, TF, the
1: corner. tfg has australia and uk businesses okay and businesses and in africa neighboring countries in africa okay yeah and i mean when, when uh back to the question on the cost it's all relative you know it's of uh, course you know on online is uh we, we list all brands um it's already the biggest mall compared to any mall in sa mm-hmm. in terms of turnover um how many stores get opened every year by a retailer that costs money so you know when you divide it into the cost of a new store with 15 brands on the platform it's not a big number Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's going to be well worth it in the long term term. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah Great. Before I let you go, last question. Um, you've, I, I read an interview, it uh, must have been about three years ago, I think around the time COVID was actually starting. Uh, I, think, I think it was with the chief executive of TFG who said that in time, they want to get to 20 to 30% of group sales from, uh, from, from e-commerce. Where is the group at the moment and how long do you think it's going to take to get to that target?
1: Um I can try first so the the group the group is at 10%. So
0: which is above well above the market
1: w- but that includes yeah. Australia and the UK. South ah, okay. South Africa's at around 5. 5 okay. Australia um, 30. Yeah, I'm not sure of the exa- and and UK would be higher. Yeah. So if, from a group uh, the, the adoption in those two markets is fairly high. Um locally the the one thing So you take TFGSA, Jet is a large business. Yes. It doesn't do one rand online. You know, um, Sneaker Factory, not a small business. We've launched them two months ago. Mm -hmm. So not all of the brands are online, which lowers that percent. Secondly, something we've been super passionate about and working incredibly hard at, and it just happens to be hard, it's taking us a bit of time, is the whole inventory accuracy and inventory dynamic of this omni-channel siloed group is around 60 percent of tfg's inventory today is available online for purchase so you you know to compare the two is actually not apples with apples because there's a whole bunch of revenue uh coming from product that you can't actually even buy online and there's many reasons why now that's part of I guess this e-commerce excellence, it takes a while to get there. So that's gonna have massive tailwinds. Just get all our inventory online, mm-hmm. number one. Get all our brands online, number two. Make the experience better. You know, what we've done with conversion and AOV. Um, to get to 20, look, we, we've, a lot, people under, overestimate what they can do in a year, mm-hmm. underestimate what they can do in 10. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Bill Gates quote. Yes. So we're in that phase. I think we can do a lot over the next five to six mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. There will be widespread transformation. And again, we're not ecom evangelists within this group. The stores are critical. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal is to have happy customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if ecom helps that, in-store upselling will be a part of that. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a journey over the next five six years.
0: Let me broaden the question slightly, Luke. Um, you mentioned that uh, uh, COVID provided a real uplift to e-commerce, and we, we've seen the numbers. Um, but where are we now in terms of the development of e-commerce in South Africa, and how do you expect it to to develop over the rest of this decade? It's very category-dependent. We see that in our own business. So um, in the year
2: that we joined, which was after that, that year sabbatical, it was... Um, TFG had just come off online, their online property had done 147% growth, mm. where I think normal before that was 15, mm-hmm. so there was a tailwind of orders of magnitude. Um, obviously fashion wasn't necessarily that explosive given we were locked in our homes, but mm. furniture, uh, the at home business, for sure. example, was insane. Then a year later, it kind of normalises and furniture slows down a bit, and there's a rebound into into okay. into apparel. And I think that's part of TFG's stories. They co- they're quite diversified, and 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 we see different penetration uh, figures. So we've got high which is a tech business. Uh, high is our cell phone concession business. High sells 1.7 million handsets a year.
0: It's Good huge. grief!
2: So they're at the coalface of mobile, and yet aren't really t- trading tech online mm. at scale where tech and take a lot would be a core category. Yes. Okay. Or Amazon for that, for that matter. So there's a category that we think could do 40, 50, 60, 70% compound annual growth or a very low base. Um, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, 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 you know, c- certain categories can still have room to be absolutely explosive lev- relative to where they were because genesis for all of these things is what fits in a store,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not top down. Mm-hmm. What is the right online assortment? And of course, we match assortment to demand. Demand is search, and the way you generate traffic online is largely through search. So, you know, base to a hundred, mm-hmm. we've got ten searches for apparel, and we've got eight for high. Why is our inventory not meeting you know, that same demand and so yeah. on? So we're we rebalancing and I think that's also how we can start to grow penetration. Right now we've got a one-to-one, whatever's online is mostly generated uh, or, or mostly a function of what's in store. You start buying for online only, I think your, your penetration easily gets to
0: mm-hmm. to, to 20%. And Claude, the, the Amazon is strongly rumored to be launching soon. Um, yeah. they It's talking about November, December this year. They're hiring yeah. people. they have bought warehouse space, apparently. Uh, does the entry of a
1: global e-commerce giant like Amazon fundamentally change this market? I think Sheehan is, is busy fundamentally changing the market under, um, uh, with less fanfare. Okay. Um, Amazon have been successful in some international markets, not in others. Mm -hmm. Um, We will, like, you have to take them seriously. Um, But, you know, we have so much to do ourselves. Yeah. Don't worry about them too much. That is the primary focus. I think it's more incentive to move fast. Right. You know, And and it's the one point I wanted to make in in your question to Luke about where e-com goes where SA retail goes, yep. I think like the growth becomes harder because yep. of Amazon, because of Shein, because of these new brands. You know, 10 years ago, Take a Lot didn't exist. Yuppie Chef yep. didn't exist. You've got H&M who entered the markets. Mm. You've got Cotton On entered the market. The, the incremental growth becomes harder. So how do you find that growth? Mm. I think e-commerce plays a role in that for every year that passes, more digital natives enter the workforce with disposable income. I think it will be where the growth is found. It's a competitive landscape because you've got the international guys competing with yeah, you. Yeah. But I think th- that's what we find exciting. That, like, South Africans are a competitive bunch, yes. you know, we, we, we need to get into the ring and, and take it to them. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, what
2: do we know about Amazon? Um, so so uh, yeah, Amazon are absolutely a threat, but what we know about Amazon is that they start with general merchandise. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think at least in the short term, we are quite well differentiated mm-hmm. in that we are overweight apparel. Yeah. Um, and it's not easy to move into the apparel space. You need real scale to generate margin. You know, if you're ordering 100 dresses, it doesn't really work. You need to be ordering 1,000. Yeah. Um, we have the largest, TFG has the largest uh, onshore manufacturing base in SA. You know, we've been really working hard on, on essentially vertically integrating a lot of its mm-hmm. categories. Um, and yeah, I think those two things coupled with us really putting the pedal down and on, on, on getting the basics right is if and when a competitor were to come in and, and take a serious crack at apparel, we should be ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're
0: not, we have only ourselves to look at. Yeah. Great, fascinating conversation, guys. Luke Jadaikin and Claude Hannon are the co-founders of Bash on the web at bash.com. Go check it out. We'll get the apps in the app stores. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with Tech
1: Central. It's been fascinating. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.